let's uh, turn to Philippians 2. In uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, For what man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? You know, what were you like before you came to the Lord? What was I like? Uh, the spirit in this man here knows what I was like, uh, what desires I had, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, what weaknesses are in you and I. The spirit of the man in the man knows uh, what fears we had or maybe still have. And I remember when I was a young guy, very young, uh, the school I went to would put us up in front of the class. And basically, some of us were just embarrassed because we didn't like to be in front of people. We were basically shyer and you know, backward. And I don't know how old I was, maybe 13, maybe 14. And every week being embarrassed in front of the class. And that did something in me, as it says in Corinthians, the spirit, what, what, who knows the spirit of the man except the spirit of the man? Who knows the man except the spirit of the man that is in him? And so I know the embarrassment I felt and my one fear above all fears ever in my life was not to go here or there. When I became a Christian, uh, you know, Lord, take me to the mission field, take me here, I don't care what you do with me. But the only thing, the biggest fear, the worst thing for me ever was to be in front of people, to speak, to be up in front. And the Lord knew that and so, as I said in this scripture, who knows the man except the spirit of the man that is in him? And for me personally, that nobody understands and knows the grace it took to take me from where I was to be in front of someone. Now, other people are more outgoing. They are more gifted in that area and so forth, excuse me, and so forth. But see, we know our personal failures, we know our personal fears, and we know whether we are surrendered to the Lord or not, uh, and we know whether we are surrendered to the Lord in certain areas. Maybe we are in many areas, but there may be one area we are not, or something that comes down the road later on and we see that we may not be as surrendered as we thought because in that we don't want to surrender. And so there is a work of the Spirit initially in our lives when we become Christians. And it takes some years, I believe, to get us over certain things, to get us through certain things, things that we may say, I will never, ever do. I will not do that. I don't care. And then as we walk in the Lord, 
over a period of time, he seems somehow to be able to get to us and continue this work that he began in the beginning. And so the Lord does a work of the Spirit with us, but he's interested in a continual work with every one of us. And with some Christians, that seems to you know, kind of roll on. And then with others, you know, it just depends on uh, the heart condition or a bunch of different things uh, with them to whether they can continue on uh, and allow the Spirit of God to work in certain areas uh, or they find their own way or their own path and their own thing or whatever it may be. And the longer we walk with God, and this, I don't know if, if this is a scripture for this or not, I really never thought about it till right now, but it seems to me that things can become more difficult in certain areas. You would think that because you're grown that you would be able to handle certain things, and you are. There are things in our realm of experience that have not come yet. And so when they come, now it's something different. Now even though we've grown in the Lord and so forth, now it will take still a continual work of the Spirit in our life to cause us to be overcomers in another thing. And I don't think this is ever going to change until, you know, this life is over. And I believe the Lord continually challenges us because if we're not challenged in some way to overcome something that is greater than us, then we will eventually become stagnant. And this happens with many Christians. Now, in Philippians 2, verse 12, Therefore, my be beloved, as you have also obeyed, not, so in my, not, as, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, and this is where I want to start here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works. Now, that word works is a present participle, but we'll concentrate just on the participle, which means it's a continual thing. So you can actually read this, for it is God who is continually working in you, or it is God who wants to continually work in you and I, for what purpose? To will and to do of his good pleasure. So he, he brings his will, and he works, wants to work that into us. See, this is a continual working of the Spirit to take us on to a greater level of maturity, to take us to a place where we are even more like Jesus. This is a continual work, and many times we are willing and we will do. Other times we may not be so willing and we may not do for various reasons in particular to us as Christians, to you know, where we are, you know, our fears, our shortcomings, and, and all of that all has it can play a part 
in this. So that the Lord desires this continual work of the Spirit. And we will all, I don't care who you are, everyone, everyone eventually comes to something that is a sticking point or can be a sticking point and it's so intense and it's so difficult for you that you wonder if you're going to be able to continue on. And you will be pushed to the very limit. You will be pushed so that you will realize that unless the Lord comes through, or put it this way, you have no strength. Now, most Christians that I have seen, not necessarily here, but I'm talking about that I've worked with, I don't believe they have ever come to a place where they have no strength. No, they've come to a place where they've been weak. But when you come to a place where you have no strength and you just kind of just go, <laughs> it's just like, if the Lord does not do something by his spirit and by his power, you, you just, you're done. You're helpless. You, you can't go on. But remember that he is continually working to will and to do. So to me, that's very comforting to know that if I come to a place or I am in a place where I feel I have absolutely no strength any longer in the situation, that by his spirit, if I wait for him, He's going to do what he wants to do, and that is to give me that which will help me to continue. Because it's, it's, it's his work, he is continually working to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, man thinks various things as far as life, in general, life. What is life, you know? Some people think that if you are successful in this world, that that's life. Uh, if you have a business, and I'll tell you, the Lord has opened my eyes to some things, and you, those of you who have business, this is not, no reflection on anything there, but I'm just saying I, I see how much that demands of your attention. So the, in, the one individual I'm thinking of, that's their life. That is life to them. Successful business, you know, providing for a family and uh, having a huge house, you know, several cars, a Mercedes and a Lexus or whatever it may be, uh, a Cadillac. And in the eyes of the world, that's success. That's life. And other people, they, they think riches. Some people think that life is pleasure. That's what life is about. You know, being on some tropical island in the sand, on a lawn chair or an Adirondack chair, sipping a margarita, 
or their favorite beer or their drink of choice with their sunglasses on soaking up the rays. That's life. And then you have other people who think that education, you know, obtaining a master's degree or a doctorate degree and the success that comes from that, that that is life. So there's people that have that view evidenced by the direction that they go in life, what they value and what they see as life going for the good life. They call it the good life. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Well, what is the good life? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you would take an auditorium filled with people and you would say, what is the good life? Write it on a piece of paper and pass it up. You would find, you know, a lot of people would say to be successful in this life, people would say to have good family relationships and all, all that. So there would be, you know, quite a few uh, people would have, have that as, as their answer. And some would even say, if you would ask even Christians, some would say, well, uh, to be prosperous in this world. But what does the Bible say is the good life? Or what is life in general? What, what is life? Well, it's the Zoe physical, you know, your body and, you know, how that's come together and the body's magnificent, and it is. But that's not, that's one aspect of life, but that's not true life. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So true life here is the life that the spirit gives. Or you could say the spirit makes us alive. Even though we're physically alive, the spirit of God makes us alive. And so if you move on down here in chapter uh, 3, verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, which is nice. That's a beginning point. So the veil is lifted by the Lord or by the Spirit of God initially whenever we were saved. But remember, this work is to be as it is. That's why in the Greek, that verb is in the tense it's in. Okay, it's a uh, continual, it's a participle, it's a continual work. So the veil is lifted, but as we walk on as Christians, there will be other veils that will be lifted to us that will allow us to move into another place. And so he says that the Spirit gives life. Now, if you, if you look at the context, he talks about different things here, about Moses and the, the Israelites. Then he goes on in verse 17, he says, Now, the Lord is that Spirit. So it's correct to say that the Spirit gives life. It's also correct to say that Jesus comes and he gives life. 
So he will come to you, he will come to myself, whomever, uh, as we are in this continual work of the Spirit and give us life. For it is, it is the Spirit who continually, continually works both to will and to do of the will, the purpose, the pleasure of the Father for your life, for your life. Now in Ephesians, so what this will, will take is that you must be, I must be, whoever it is is a Christian, they must be obedient to the Spirit. And, and what that means is that the Lord is going to have to communicate to you on a personal level where you are with your development somehow in whatever it may be. He may start, you know, with one thing, and he will show you that, and then you become obedient in that. It's not that, you know, okay, well, I missed it here, I missed it there. We all miss certain things. Now, you know, sometimes I miss things, and then later on the Lord shows me what I missed. And that happens to me, you know, and then I'm happy that he shows me that I missed it and said, okay, this is what was going on, and at the time you didn't see it. Okay, that's, I'm happy. I'm glad you showed me. But now help me to see it in the first place. So if we miss something, you know, we are to be condemned, but we are still to trust in the Lord, and he will reveal many times certain things to us that we didn't see. But in Ephesians 4, verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So Paul is talking to the, um, the Ephesians here, the church at Ephesus, and he's saying that each one is graced according to the measure of Christ's gift. So that doesn't leave anyone out, whether you think you're graced with some gift or not, or you maybe you can't identify any particular gift. That, that's beside the point. He still says this. So in order for that gift, whatever it may be, to come to the surface and start to be manifested and be used, it must be a work of the Spirit in your life. There must be a continual work of the Spirit working continually in our life so that the grace that the Lord has given to gift you comes through. It's not about natural talent and natural ability. If that was the case, you know, some of us would be way out of the picture. That's not it. It's something quite different. So down in verse 11, he becomes more specific now. And he says, and he, he himself gave some. Now, look at this very closely. You'll see him use the word some many times because not all are used in this way. But that still does not negate the fact that he gifts everyone, you know, through his grace. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. 
for the equipping of the saints, and so forth. Now, from verse 14, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him. These verses here are talking about growth. Uh, verse 16, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effectual working and so forth. Then he says, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So these verses here are talking about growth. But remember, growth in the body and growth individually as a Christian will only come by the working of the Spirit of God in your life. That's the only way. You cannot decide, well, today I am going to mature as a Christian. It does not work that way. We must have a continual walk with Him, be led. It's a continual thing of the Spirit. We must walk with Him. We must experience certain things in our life that touch us personally. We must overcome certain things in order to continue to grow into the man and woman of God that he has so desired for us to be. This is not going to be a five-year walk, and in five years you're going to be mature as a Christian. No, it's take longer than that, and it's going to take a continual work of the Lord and it's going to take you surrendering in that and coming to the point where you have no strength and saying, Lord, it's not my will, but what you want for me. And unless you come to that place, you will never understand that you have no strength and that he's your strength. And it's a, a wonderful thing, it's a beautiful thing to know that your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, that's not to say that, you know, we're perfect. That's not to say that we don't make mistakes. That's not to say that we don't have trouble. It's not to say that we don't have difficulties. But what it is saying is that there is a place in God that we can still be. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, very familiar portion of Scripture. I say then, uh, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, this is a command. We are to walk in the Spirit. And as we surrender and move with the Lord, this becomes a habitual conduct for us. It should as Christians, as a Christian, so that uh, we are walking with him and he is helping us, he is teaching us, he is there to move us along in this continual work. You know, we have to have a heart that wants to walk with him. And 
course, that's quite a bit there. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, if he's the one who is in control, you know, he's controlling my life and not me. If he's controlling your life and not you. And see, only the spirit in the man knows that. Well, of course, the Lord knows that. But I mean, we know when we are allowing the Lord to lead us. And we know whenever we balk at, you know, what he wants to, to lead us into or whatever. And as I started earlier and I said my greatest fear ever, 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 ever in my life was to teach, to preach, to stand, even, not even that, but just standing up in church and giving testimony, anything in front of people, always, always, was the worst thing. And so we will have to allow him to lead us even when we do not want to go, and even if we think, that, well, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. You know me, Lord, I can't. See, see, can we get beyond that? Can we overcome that? Will there be a continual working of the Spirit in our life who wants to take us through certain things, or will we stop? But if you are led, that's why Paul says the if. I mean, you could be a Christian, you can be led by the Lord. And still there come a point and something in your life to where if you are led by the Spirit of God, you're not under the law. So it's a thing where people can be led or a person cannot be led. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. The Lord desires to lead us. And where he's leading us will change. From time to time, maybe five years from now, things will be different for you. Maybe after five more years, he'll be able to deal with something in your life that now he can't. And so now, five years later, he's starting to lead you into a certain way, a certain path, a certain maybe responsibility or whatever it may be. And you really don't want that. So if you don't want to come under the law, it says if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And I think many times that a lot of Christians come under the law because they're not led by the Spirit. And they function in the law because at times maybe they're not led by the Spirit. And I can't tell you what that means. I mean, Christians have a different idea of what that means. It, the Lord has to teach us. And that should filter down into many, many areas of our life. And I have seen somebody who, you know, well, should I pick up two toothpicks or four toothpicks? So I should be led by the Spirit. See, now, th that's kind of like, like going off. That's not what the, the leading of the Spirit is about, two or four toothpicks. But he does want to get involved 
in the details of your life. Some of the things that maybe you would not want the Lord to get involved with in your life. And he gets down in there and saying, oh, well, you just maybe ignore him. <laughs> or you say, okay, Lord, if you want to get involved in this, so be it. You just show me what I need to do. And sometimes he does. So anyway, in verse 18, it talks about being led of the Spirit. And in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and and this is dealing with godly character. But see, you can't come down to verse 22 and really have the godly character that you should have as a Christian without being led of the Spirit to get out from under the law. See, to me, that's, that's all connected in this chapter. You know, Christians will say, you know, well, this is the fruit of the Spirit, you should have that, and so on and so forth. Well, that's true. But I don't see that really occurring in Christian's life apart from some of the other things. You know, walk in the Spirit and being submissive in being led. And that doesn't mean being led to church. That means you being led in your personal life wherever. Not just at church, but when you're at work or wherever you may be. And the Lord's good. He shows us these things. In Luke... I just want to look at one scripture here in Luke, and I want to go to Zechariah. Luke chapter 1. I'll read this uh, from the New King James and from the, I have it in the Amplified here. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. And this is <coughs> speaking of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord blameless. So you and I can also do this. This is not just something that they did exclusively to them. You see examples in the Bible, for example, with Joshua and Caleb and throughout uh, some of the kings of Judah and so forth, that something similar is said about them. It's different, but it's basically is the same thing. They're walking in the commandments and the ordinances. So you and I are to be walking in the Spirit, walking with the Lord, uh, obeying Him in, in whatever, and we can be blameless in that, see. So the Lord, you know, comes to you and he shows you something, and you're you know, in agreement with it, and you walk with him, and you follow him, and you're led with him in that. Now, the next verse says, and they were, they were first, let me read it again. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, blameless, but they had no child. Or, at this point, nothing was birthed out from them. And this is speaking, of course, in the natural but as far as walking in the spirit, the spiritual aspect of this, it, we are to be walking in the commandments and the ordinances, what the Lord shows us. We are to be blameless in that so that there is a birth out from our life. 
so that birth and growth for you and I will be a continual supply. Or put it this way, we must have a continual supply in order for there to be growth and birth. So that if the Lord wants to birth something out from you as a Christian, he cannot do that if you are not receiving this supply from him. As, as I said, it is God who worketh, or he continually works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's a continual thing. It's a continual supply to you. Now turn to Zechariah. It's close, pretty close to the New Testament, by the way. Okay, Zechariah chapter 4. So this walk, we must be surrendered. We must be led. If we are not led, passive, then the continual supply for us as a Christian will be cut off. We cut ourselves off from that if we do not allow him to lead us. So even, even in Ephesians or Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, see, we can cut ourselves off from that if we are not allowing the Lord to lead us. Now in Zechariah 4, verse 1, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a, a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these things, my Lord? Now, I like how the angel says this because I, I believe that, in a manner of speaking, that we have said the same thing at times to the Lord and he has answered us in this same way. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? So he sees this. In spirit, the angel shows him this. What do you see? And so he starts telling the angel what he's seeing. And so the angel says, okay, well, do you know what these things mean? And he says, no, I don't know what these mean. And he says, why don't you know what these mean? He says, in the latter part of, of verse 5, he says, and I said, no, my Lord, I don't understand what this is. So just to go over this, he sees a lampstand of gold. He sees a bowl on top of the lampstand or above the lampstand. He sees seven lamps, or we could say seven, you know what a menorah is, right? You know what a menorah is? You do? Okay. Menorah is this, in the temple they had, the, the, you see the candle, it's like in a V shape and it has the seven lamps. Okay, that's, that's a menorah. And so you see the seven lamps or the seven lit candles, if you will. Seven pipes, 
that go to the seven lamps and two olive trees were by it. So let me show you the picture here. You have this lamp, lampstand, with the seven lamps lit. There's a bowl above it. Coming to the lamps from the bowl are pipes. One pipe goes to each lamp. The two olive trees, what, are all, what do you think of, of olives? Olive oil, don't you? I do. And what this is saying, I believe, is that there is a continual supply from the Lord to keep things lit. So you have the olive trees that are providing the oil in the basin, and that's always going to be full, running down the pipes to the lamps to keep the light continually burning. Now in verse 6, see, in your life and in my life, as I said, there must be a continual working of the Spirit to bring us on in the Lord, to take us to where he wants us to be, to will and to do of his good purpose. But there must be a continual supply, and there is a continual supply for each of us. If we desire, and even if we come to a place where we have no strength, it is comforting to know that if we look to him, or to the olive trees, to him, to his person, that there will be a supply coming to us to keep us burning. And so in verse 6, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, it's not by our might or our power that the supply will come to keep us in a situation of difficulty. But it is by his spirit, says the Lord. It is by his supply. It is by him continually pouring out the oil, funneling that to you to keep you where you need to be, to keep you in the light, to keep you burning, to, to bring revelation and light and life to you. That's a continual thing. You see, remember, the Lord does these things not for just any purpose. You know, we, we can say the Lord does this and that. You know, he does certain things for certain purposes. And I believe one of the main purposes here is for our growth. A, a continual working, a continual supply, a continual moving of the Spirit for our growth, for our development, for our character, godly character. So th this is a tremendous portion of Scripture. And as I was looking at that last night, I was thinking, wow. I mean, you know the Lord supplies to you. But to see it in the Scriptures and to read it and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to know 
that we can be kept by the power of God. And, and you know, I'm not talking about you know, out there on the mission field. I'm just talking about where we are, where we live, where we function, where we are today in our, our circumstances. Kept by God. In 1 John, familiar portion of scripture again, 1 John 1, verse 7. Or we'll just start verse 6. But if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, do you see him in the light today? Do you see him? Chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked, as the Lord walked. See, there is to be this connection with us and him that enables this continual supply to come to us so that if there is a time of difficulty and you're in it and you feel as if you cannot make it, you can be assured that if you walk in the light, the light that he is showing you, you know, what is it he's bringing and showing you in your little world? That light for you is precious, and you and I have to walk in that light in order to have this continual supply of this oil for our lamp to come to us, the continual work of the Lord, the continual work of the Spirit, working presently, continually in you, in you, to will and to do of his good pleasure. And in Colossians, you know, in um, the Old Testament, in Exodus, we see the pillar of fire. And the pillar of fire the children of Israel had to, to walk, they had to live in the light of that, and they actually had to walk in the light of that because when the, when the pillar would rise and move, they had to walk in the light that they saw, or walk with that, you know, and, and not just stay where they are and have the pillar move away. When the pillar moves away and you stay where you are, you eventually become in this place of dark, darker, darkest, it gets dark until there's, there's no light. It, it's gone. You can't see it any longer. And so that's the, the uh, pillar of fire. It deals with light. It deals with revelation. Uh, it deals with guidance. That was their guidance in the wilderness. But it also, I believe, relates to this continual supply that God had because for them, they had the, the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire at night. So it was a, a continual supply. Uh, with the manna, same thing. Uh, it was a continual supply in the wilderness. So all these things speak to you and I about the Lord supplying what we need in our situation when we need it. When we feel that, that we're done and we can't go any further, we need to look to him and remember that he can provide what we need at that time for whatever it may be, even though we may not think that the Lord will do that. 
say, well, he, he'll do it for everybody but me. No, he'll do it for you if you keep your heart before him and you, you keep yourself right before him and you continue to stay where you are to stay, then that supply will come. In Colossians 1, I'll read two more verses um, and I'll close. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful. That word being there is a, a participle. That means that it should be a continual thing. See, being fruitful in your life is to be a continual thing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that also is a participle, increasing. So there is to be a continual thing there, that, that we are increasing. And then it says, and being strengthened, now that's his part, he does that, and, and that's also a participle. It's a continual thing. If we are going to be in the place where he can supply us continually, that's exactly what we'll, he'll do. Strengthened uh, with all might according to his glorious power. So there is a lot the Lord provides for us. Many times we don't really realize uh, until not always even then, but many times until we're in something that reminds us again. We knew it before, and then things were going okay, and we get in something else, and now we need reminded, and the Lord reminds us that, you know, he's still the continual supply for you and I. We think sometimes that because our problems are so overwhelming and there's so much going wrong, that the Lord cannot supply in that, or we, maybe we believe he can, but he won't. But see, he stands like the two olive trees, supplying the bowl that holds the oil, that runs down the pipes, that go to the lamps, or to your lamp in particular. So it, it really, a person even if you don't believe that, that is still a biblical reality that he can do this. All we need to do is to look to him and he will continually supply us, not just like he did years ago, but now, now, today, and as we continue on with him. The supply is, one purpose is, for your growth and development. And so I'll, I'll leave you with that, that he will supply what you need.